something incredibly special this week. We have one of our young leaders uh, in the church who's going to be giving her first message to our church ever. I know many of you are familiar with Mariah Fredericks, um, but if you don't know her, she's an incredible person. She's been a faithful servant here at St. Hill and has become a close friend of mine. Um, as a young church plant, one of our goals is to raise up leaders and to find people who have potential uh, wherever we can. And so uh, Bria, our director of operations, and myself have been putting together uh, this thing that we're loosely calling Kingdom Club uh, that is kind of an education system for different young people in the church. Church, and Mariah is one of our guinea pigs. So she just went through one of our courses called Preaching Club on how do you write a sermon? How do you read the text and come to conclusions about the 21st century from the text and about what God's will may be for us today as a church? And uh, she gave her message at Preaching Club, knocked it out of the park. It was incredible and so focused and so clear and uh, very poignant. And so I am just so blessed and excited to have her preaching this week. So wherever you're at, open up your mind, open up your heart, and get ready to receive what God has through Mariah. Hey everyone! Um, like Alex said, my name is Mariah, and I'm so excited to be here, so grateful to um, just be a part of what the Lord's doing in our church and then also just around the world. Um, we are going to dive into uh, Acts and continue our series there. Um, and I can't wait to see you guys in person. I can't wait for the field and the reunion that's gonna happen with all of the COVID approved things. Um, but yeah, I just have so much expectation for what the Lord wants to prepare in our hearts today. Um, so before we start, I'm just gonna um, pray and invite him into the teaching. Um, God, thank you, Jesus, for how you've sustained us in so many ways over these last few months. God, thank you um, for your grace and your peace and your truth. I just ask, Lord, that you would step into every, um, every room that people are sitting in, wherever they're at, every location. God, come and meet with us. Uh, Jesus, speak through your word today and give us a greater vision for the fullness of who you are and the fullness of the gospel that brings dead things to life. God, um, we love you, Lord, and we are so excited to see what you have for us today. So speak through your word, speak through me, speak through everybody who is gonna be praying over each other. And um, yeah, God, be so present with us. We love you. In your name we pray, amen. Um, great, so last week we had an awesome teaching uh, from Jim, uh, giving us kind of a vision for what it looks like to finish strong um, and also the endurance that comes um, in following Jesus. And today we are um, going to be in Acts 14 uh, again and kind of dive deeper into things that he touched on um, when it comes to a story. I love how God um, uses story all through scripture. He speaks through stories. He speaks through people. And today uh, we have a really great one. So Acts is actually short for Acts of the Apostles. So this is a book about the stories of um, people coming to life in Jesus, getting a glimpse of the gospel um, and his people who are taking it all over the world. Um, and so we're tuning into uh, a story where Paul and Barnabas are moving through um, some different areas through Greece and modern day Turkey. Um, Paul was actually a Jewish leader who had a major encounter with Jesus. Um, and then Barnabas is called son of encouragement. Uh, Jim also had a great teaching on Barnabas a few weeks back. And so if you're curious about that, go check it out. 
Um, so we're going to open up to Acts 14, um, and in verse 8, start there. And it says, In Lystra there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up to your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw that Paul, what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. In verse 14, but when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you things, uh, we are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their season. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews came from Antioch in Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. Crazy story. There's a healing. A man who's never walked before leaps up. Um, Paul and Barnabas are mistaken for Greek gods. There's Greek mythology. Um, and then all of a sudden, these very jealous Jews come in and stone Paul to death, and then he comes back to life. Crazy. So before we go further, I just want to break down and hone in on these characters. The first thing that um, jumped out to me, literally, was the cripple. Um, it says he sprung up. And before that, actually, it says that Paul recognized faith in him. So Paul and Barnabas are, are telling the gospel to people. And this is the first place, actually, that they didn't start in a synagogue. Um, usually they'll go to the synagogues, which is like the Jewish place of worship. And so there's a common people with a common language. But now we see they're in a new place with people who actually speak another language than them. So even this cripple was listening to them and the Holy Spirit brought understanding of what they were saying and belief was born in this man. And Paul recognized that. There's a faith that you can recognize in people, which is just crazy to me. And then after he says, um, get up, Paul, Paul calls him to stand up again. Um, and he doesn't just stand up, he springs. And that word in Greek is halomai. The only other place in the New Testament that I found it was in Acts 3, which was another healing. And John 4.14. 4, this is when Jesus is speaking um, to people and he says, Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So this word, this word of springing, um, is what Jesus uses to describe the life that is found in him, the life that comes with belief in the gospel. And I love how there's a physical 
springing of the cripple coming to his feet, but then also a spiritual, that Jesus says trusting and belief in him and the fullness of who he is brings a springing up of eternal life. Wild. All right, next, Paul and Barnabas. We have gotten to know them so well in the past few weeks, and it's been so fun to go through Acts in the time that we're in. We're meeting in homes. Um, we are not in a big gathering, and a lot of times through Acts, this is actually um, how believers are living. Like even in this story, there's one uh, person who starts to follow Jesus. Um, and even after they leave, that very well could be that that man who is crippled might be the only one there, um, and he's without community. Um, and then other uh, places in Acts and the New Testament, there's no churches where people get coming together and gather. They're gathering in houses. And so it's been pretty crazy to see how the Lord's even worked through our house churches. Um, the community I'm in is has been very fun, just roommates and um friends like that. And so I am so excited uh, just for what God is doing there. Um, so Paul and Barnabas are on the run from some communities, um, and they faced a language barrier in this um, town. So they're just being faithful to what God asked them to do. Kind of like last week when Jim was speaking about um, having endurance and uh, with the gospel and with belief and following Jesus— Life isn't just easy. In fact, there are some people who are chasing down Paul and Barnabas, and now they have a language barrier. They're trying to just be faithful. They're trying to do what God's called them to, um, and these people don't even know what they're saying. But, and this is interesting, when the Lyconians think that they are gods, um, Paul and Barnabas' response is really intense. They like tear their clothes. And this is actually, this was a Jewish custom um, that responded to blasphemy, which is essentially um, when you uh, attribute something God is doing to a person and like taking God's glory and putting it on people. And they know that that's like, no, like that's the opposite of what we want. We came here to tell you about Jesus, um, who is the one true God who came and um, died for us and all of the good stuff that comes along with the gospel. And so um, one thing that this reminded me of uh, is that the hope of the gospel isn't Christians. Like Paul and Barnabas just saw healing. They saw a, um, a cripple come to saving faith in Jesus. Um, and there's something lost in translation, um, but they recognize that like if these people put their hope in us and not the gospel, like that's bad news. Um, and so the hope of the gospel isn't Christians even, it's Jesus working through his people. Um, so next, uh, we're gonna look at the Lyconians. So God introduced himself through power to the Lyconians, but they still didn't get it. They were missing a truth encounter. They saw something, but in their worldview, in their mindset, that was just within their same context of like Greek gods. And the Lyconians uh, worship, uh, you know, Zeus and Hermes and many others. And those are actually also planets. Um, so Jupiter and Zeus are the same. Um, and as I was reading this, I just thought about how wild it is that um, God actually created the planets and the stars and like created things that people um, worship sometimes. And he's coming back in power to say like, no, these are, these are lifeless things. I'm the one who actually gives life and I'm the one who created. Um, 
So the, for the Lyconians, they saw healing and they wanted to actually worship the medium of God's spirit rather than God himself, creation above the creator. And then the final kind of characters in our story are the jealous Jews. Now there's a lot of people throughout scripture who are like trying to take out Paul and Barnabas. There's a lot of persecution. Um, and I always have to ask myself like, what is going on? Like why, uh, why do they wanna kill Paul and Barnabas so badly? And so to answer that question, we actually have to go back a little bit to Acts 13. Um, and like I said earlier, uh, Paul and Barnabas, uh, they were called by God to share the word of God. And so they're just going and telling people about Jesus. Um, and they usually start in synagogues, Jewish places of worship. So they're doing that here, and they're currently in Antioch. Um, and Acts 13, 14 says, And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So they go and they sit down and they're listening. And um, on the Sabbath, which is the day of worship for Jewish people, um, and in the synagogue, which is the place of worship for G Jewish people, they're telling about the law and the prophets, the Jewish leaders are. And so this is basically the Old Testament and the law and um, you have to follow the way of God in order to be good enough to um, come and like experience like Him and salvation and all that. Um, and so they're like, you have to listen to the law and you have to listen to the prophets. That was the, the um, background of the heritage and uh, the teaching of Judaism. And then after that, they invite Paul and Barnabas to share a word of encouragement. And Barnabas is like, sweet, that's my name. I'll definitely do that. Um, and then go back and read it. We're not going to read it today because it's like 40 verses. But Paul gives the gospel within the context of Jewish history. And so in a way that they can understand and drawing on things that they already know, um, he gives the gospel. And then afterwards, Acts 13, 42 says, people begged that these things might be told to them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. So Paul and Barnabas share the gospel, which is the culmination of the Law and the Prophets. Jesus came to fulfill those things, and people are mind-blown. These Jewish people showing up to the synagogue are like, you have to tell us more. Like, this is, this is wild. Um, and so they actually start to follow Paul and Barnabas, and they need to know more. And so I want you to remember that they had an initial truth encounter, but they needed deeper understanding. They needed a deeper um, articulation and understanding of what these people are saying. So in the next verse, it says, The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. So the same religious leaders who invited them to share encouragement and who were probably interested in hearing and recognizing, whoa, Jesus, is he the, really the Messiah? Um, they recognize that their influence over these crowds is shifting. They're recognizing that, um, that people are coming to know the gospel and, and that's why they have to get rid of Paul and Barnabas because they're stealing their influence. They're turning the influence not fr from the law and the prophets 
to Jesus. Um, and so that's why Paul and Barnabas get kicked out of Antioch. They run through Iconium and end up in Lystra. A lot's happening here. Um, and one of the characters that I really resonated with um, were actually the Lyconians. Uh, I still remember my mom sharing the gospel with me across the kitchen table when I was young. I think I was like four or five years old. And it went like this. Jesus died for your sins, so when you die, you can go to heaven. Uh, you have to believe in him and invite him into your heart. Cool, my elementary self replied. I don't really know what it means to invite him into my heart, uh, but this heaven place sounds super neat, so let's do it. Uh, after that, nothing really changed in my life. Um, church was still really boring. Uh, I felt darkness and sadness often um, and still felt driven um, by like a deep rage um, and distant from people. And I had a loving family and I had um, so much and my parents loved me well, but there was just this darkness I couldn't shake. Um, and I heard the same thing over and over again. Jesus died to forgive your sins. Okay, sweet, like I, I figured that out. Um, but then one day I heard the rest of it. God loves me like a good and perfect father. And actually, he's inviting me to walk with him into a community and communion with him. Um, not only that, but God responded. The Holy Spirit is God, and he actually um, can guide me and lead me. And in prayer, I can meet with the presence of God. Um, after that, after realizing God came, died for my sins, and then also wants to walk with me in relationship and gives me power and deliverance from the darkness and the fear of death and the fear of sin. All these things came together um, and something actually came alive with me. Just like the crippled, something leapt up and something sprang forth and I actually encountered the life of Jesus um, in me. This encounter, this belief in restoration is what Paul and Barnabas are um, putting their lives on the line for again and again. The gospel is multifaceted. It's truth, community, and power. So a few years ago, a dear friend gave me a book called The 3D Gospel. Uh, and this gave me language to understand how I missed something in translation for that first part of my life and then genuinely encountered the Holy Spirit and received God and the fullness of the gospel. So there's three uh, kinds of culture, is what it says. Uh, there is a guilt-innocence culture. This tends to be the West, and it explains right and wrong as defined by law. Um, it's more justice-oriented, and it's more about what you do than anything else. That's where your worth comes from, is what you do. And so the part of the gospel that aligns with that is your sins are forgiven. Um, but there's also another um, kind of, it's not personality, it's like groupality. And so just the, way, the same way people have traits, different cultures have traits. And there's um, one that is a shame and honor culture. And this tends to be more in the East um, and the paradigm that these people think from and it exists in all cultures is that uh, you are the group that you're part of. So if you come from a family of honor, you have honor. But if you come from a family of dishonor, then you have shame. 
this assumes strong group orientation. Uh, honor is someone's social worth. Uh, it's the value that they give society. And this is more about who you are and who you belong to. And then the third um, is a fear and power culture. This tends to be tribal cultures. Um, and it's not necessarily about the standards of right and wrong or um, what it looks like uh, to be a part of a group. It's more about how the spiritual powers of the world interact and what holds power over you and what produces fear in you. And so what this looks like is um, whatever is causing fear in my life, I have to do things to avoid that fear. I need to get out of it. I need to... Um, do some sort of ritual to get away from it. Um, and it's also usually circles around um, resources and having power over your own life. So the truth is all of these exist in all cultures and it's changing. Um, it's not a stigma. It doesn't hold you in that place. These are three areas that cultures form around. So at the beginning of my life, like I said, I heard Jesus came to forgive my sins. Cool, but I was still suffering. And I still felt alone, and I still didn't feel connection to the living God. Um, I was given forgiveness, but cut off from the actual giver of that. Uh, encountering Jesus looks like encountering the truth of God through Scripture, um, even through prayer and people, communion with God, actively following Him and seeking Him out, um, and the power of God, the Holy Spirit. You see all of this through scripture, especially in Paul's writings like Ephesians and Acts. If you flip in your Bibles to Acts 26, Paul describes his mission to the Gentiles in 3D terms. Um, he shares his own testimony and when he encountered Jesus. So rewind, go back a few weeks ago um, to when we actually, I think Alex taught on this, um, where Paul encounters Jesus. And so Jesus actually is speaking to Paul in this passage. Um, and he says to Paul, now get up and stand on your feet. I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness to what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. This is um, just speaks to so many parts of what we're reading today. A, at the very beginning, Jesus tells um, Paul, get up and walk kind of sounds familiar to uh, Paul saying the same thing to the cripple. Um, and in the last line, uh, he says that he's going to use Paul to, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, fear and power. That's taking and delivering people from the fear into the power of God, knowing that we no longer have to be afraid of sin or death, but that we actually have access to the Holy Spirit that transforms us um, and also gives us um, power and authority. Um, and then also that they may receive forgiveness of sins, the guilt and innocence, and a place. Uh, and I love that. You have a place in the kingdom when you say yes to Jesus. When you give your belief to Jesus, you're saying yes to a family. You're saying yes to a father who loves you perfectly, um, to brothers and sisters who want to gather around you and speak life into you. Um, 
And this is uh, kind of the paradigm that Paul teaches out of and, and shares the gospel with. And so every time you see an Acts, like they're sharing the gospel, they're sharing the gospel, it's always multifaceted. And that's what I love about the word is that um, it's never even a formula. Like Paul says it all the time differently. All these people are just trying to gather all of um, just the richness and the fullness of who Jesus is and what he does. Okay. So to get a little practical into some application, um, I have a question for you guys. What gets lost in translation around you? Um, I think sometimes there is like a hesitancy to share about Jesus, and there's been um, some cultural ba baggage even. Um, and I really believe that this is from sharing just a piece um, and not the fullness of who Jesus is, because you look at all of these people who hear it and through the Holy Spirit understand, and they're begging to hear more. And so there are people around you who are begging to hear more about Jesus. Um, and like I said, some stuff gets lost in translation. I spent years not understanding the Bible at all and needing people, but also just the Holy Spirit just to go and enter with God and invite Him into that and ask Him for understanding. We're living in an age where we have um, access to so many people who don't speak our own language or come from our backgrounds, um, generationally, regionally, culturally, linguistically. Um, and if we show people the gospel through the long, wrong lens, it may, might be a challenge for them to see it. Normally, Paul is speaking uh, to people with a common language, uh, people who know uh, the scriptures and the Old Testament specifically, but then he comes to people that have no idea what he's talking about at all, not even in context, but like literally language. Um, so he actually pivots. And you see in uh, verse 15, he says, uh, we are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things, talking about uh, these gods that they're worshiping that aren't actually the one and true God. Um, because he, this God, our God, the one that you are proclaiming the gospel says, um, God made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And in the past, let all the nations go their own way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their season. And he provides you with plenty of food and fills your heart with joy. God loves um, celebration. God created things good. Um, and so even people, and I love how he talks about how he says, like, God allowed the nations to go their own way, but he still loves them and he's still drawing them back in. And that's the point of Jesus. Jesus draws those nations back in. The gospel isn't just for Jewish people. The gospel isn't just for a certain people group. It's for all nations. And if you go to the end of scripture, that's actually what Revelation says, is that Jesus is the hope of the nations. And so it's not just for one people group. It's for all. Um, and Paul is not trying to make these people Jewish. He's trying to introduce them to Jesus. Um, so he pivots. And in the information age, I think that there's this um, stigma about not understanding or not knowing things. It's like shame and honor. It's like, it's very shameful for you to not know something. Do you ever feel that? Like um, somebody's talking about a news article and they're like, oh yeah, did you read this thing or hear this thing? And you're like afraid to say no because you have access to it. Um, we're in this, this time where we're just intaking, 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 but understanding is a whole different thing. And so I would invite you um, with humility and courage to ask questions and to seek to understand 
you don't, there's no shame in not understanding something, no shame in not knowing anything. Um, but asking also invites relationship. And community is something that is just so um, lacking right now, especially being far away from each other. And so ask questions, invite relationship. And the first person, the first place to start with your questions is God himself. He wants to speak to us. He wants to teach you. Um, through prayer and the word, that's where it starts. And so if you don't know where to go, if you don't know what to do in restoking the fullness of um, who Jesus is, start in the word and start in prayer. Next up, your friends, your community, uh, people older and wiser or younger and wiser. I have been so encouraged by the young believers in my life because there's still this beauty of just the simplicity of the gospel. I love to see young people reminding me of things that I think uh, don't matter as much anymore. Just like, um, man, one of my uh, friends the other day was just explaining like, I don't have to hold on to my sin. My remembering of my sin doesn't save myself from it. God already has forgotten about my sin when I come to Him and I repent and I choose His way. He forgets about that. That's the goodness of the of um, the first part of the gospel of like forgiveness of sin. And that's something that I honestly had forgotten. And so ask people your questions and then share. Um, people are hungry to know about Jesus and they need you, believer, who is following. They need you to show them in their language, in their context who he is. To end, we can't ignore this last verse in the passage. After all the craziness, the jealous Jews finally catch up to Paul and Barnabas and stone him. It says to the edge of death, and there's a lot of commentators who are just like people who study scripture, um, they kind of are at odds, where some people think Paul actually died. Others think he's just on the edge of it, which shout out to the mystery that is still in scripture. Um, and I would encourage you guys to like be comfortable with the mystery. Um, but Paul, regardless, is like basically dead. Um, and that's the point that it should have stopped. That's the point where the Jews should have won and um, the gospel and Paul and Barnabas' mission, Barnabas's mission um, should have stopped. But then it says the disciples gathered around and Paul gets up and goes on his way with his mission. What? After you almost die, a group of believers come around you. I don't know what happened. Scripture doesn't say it. Um, but God raises him back to life in community, and he goes on his way into his mission. And I am so excited that we are about to be together again. All of the things happening aside. It's, it won't look normal, but it's still a gathering. And I really truly believe something happens in the midst of God's people um, that happened with the cripple, that happened with Paul, that things spring to life. Um, as people gather, um, show up with expectation that God is moving and um, there will be things in our lives that um, feel dark or dead or loneliness and those things are gonna to spring to life. There was a time, like about a year in my life where I was basically living off of podcasts. 
I didn't have a consistent community around me. I was honestly just too transient for it, but I was listening to podcasts and I was having truth encounters with God. Throwing back to the 3D gospel concept, we need a truth encounter, a community encounter, and a power encounter. And so I was listening to the word and I was I was learning things. I was even like meeting with the Holy Spirit and just having beautiful like revelation um, and victory over areas in my life through his power. But I was missing a community. I was missing a communal encounter. Um, and then I remember showing up to this little tiny uh, armory or something full of these people that I had never met before, but who were all focused and had faith and had their eyes fixed on one thing, and that's Jesus, and worshiping in something that had been missing for like a year. I swear, just the joy of seeing that you're not alone, that you have people on your right and your left, and that, um, yeah, that happens in the gathering. Um, and so I'm excited and expectant for what God is going to do today. First, if you're gathered with people where two or more are gathered, He's present. Um, but then again, uh, next time we meet together in a field, which is awesome. How cool is our church? Um, so here's my invitation for you. Encounter Jesus in all of His fullness. It starts with a yes by believing that He is God who came and died as a sacrifice for us, and that by believing in Him and putting your trust in Him, we receive forgiveness of sins, access to life-giving communion with Him, and power over sin and death in our lives. I pray that I have faith like the cripple, that when I, my eyes are so fixed on Jesus that He can recognize it. I pray for a faith that is um, coming alive in all of our people, that um, people who are hungry to know this truth can recognize. So God, I just thank you that you are so beyond um, anything I could comprehend, but still you come and reveal yourself to us. God, would you bring to the surface anything that I've held back from you, any place that I need to understand your love more deeply, Holy Spirit, would you remind me? Would you bring a deeper understanding? God, um, you are always good. Jesus, even, even in isolation, you're good and you are pursuing us. Even gathered together, you are good and you're pursuing us. So I just ask that right now, Holy Spirit, you would enter the room um, in a crazy way, God, that people would encounter you like Paul did. Jesus, that you would speak to people for the first time. Lord, that you would um, just bring a cleansing of anybody who's carrying guilt that doesn't belong to them. That you would restore a place for anybody who feels isolated, who feels like they don't have a home. God, that you would be their home today. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you're doing. Thank you, you for what you're about to do.